0: Hello, One World Podcast listeners. Today, we have the opportunity to speak with the managing director of a zero-waste regenerative urban microfarm. With over 35 years of experience utilizing regenerative organic techniques to grow nutrient-rich produce, he is also the leading pioneer in developing cost-effective agricultural systems in urban areas. Please welcome Eric Cutter. You've mentioned
1: the managing director of Allegria Fresh. Uh, we're, we're headquartered in Irvine, California.
0: Yeah. So can you please tell us more about Alegria Fresh? And Alec, how did you get started in farming?
1: Well, I've uh, been in farming for a lot of years. Um, long story short, my mother was a fantastic chef and she used to cook up a lot of great food for us all the time. And um, for many, many years, I didn't understand how lucky I was to growing up in a house like that, that had that quality of food. And about 10 years ago, we had a an illness in in my, my brother's side of the family. And my nephews there had a kidney shutdown and it really was all about, uh, too much fat oil and sugars, just bad food. And, and, uh, that was, I think it was about 2012 or so. And I got really upset about that because I knew exactly what was going on. And I realized that, um, it's kind of time to start talking about changing the food conversation so that young beautiful little boys like that eight years old weren't hooked up with two tubes going down their throat and they were saying it's a double double kidney transplant or he's gone and that's when I realized I needed to decided to do something and I had just come out of the you know the last recession 1988-89 I mean 19 pardon me, 2008-2009 and I was wondering what I was going to do with myself so I have a background in biochemistry and oncology, and I've been growing my own food for about 35 years. So I've always had this around me, and I've, I've learned that um, I'm one of the richest guys on the planet because I eat the way I do. I never get sick. I haven't even had a really a cold for 25 years. And I, you know, to add emphasis to that, we just watched the pandemic come ripping through half of our country and kill hundreds of thousands of people. And that could have really been avoided if these people would have had resiliency from food and had strong immune systems. So nobody's talking about that. So I got into this um, with the idea full time 12 years ago to change the food conversation and to start really, really pushing the idea that soil and regenerative organic agriculture have to be paid attention to. Or we're going to be a different type of human race, not one that's going to be very pretty.
0: Yeah, that's really amazing on how you're trying to um, transform the food culture. And I'm really sorry that you had to go through that experience. Um, yeah, so can you tell us more about your journey to start Allegria Fresh um, and how it has particularly grown over the years and what you've been able to accomplish?
1: Well, it's it's been a lot of um, grit and dec- Termination more than anything. Um, I built 11 farms so far, and uh, the 11th, actually, the 10th and the 11th ones are still operating. Uh, we're working with the food bank over in a very advanced thinking CEO named Harold Herman over at the Second Harvest Food Bank. And he is, uh, we built a farm over cement, we call it a Soxbox farm. And we have another beautiful farm over at the Farm and Food Lab in Irvine in the Great Park. And so I've been fortunate enough to survive uh, moving farm after farm. Um, it's cost many thousands of hours and um, many hundreds of thousands of dollars to, to stay in the game. But now, now we've really developed a reputation for some of the finest food in the world and some of the best soil. And uh, I'm happy I'm standing in this spot right now. I, I wake up every morning just kind of tickled to pink that I, I get the chance to lead. You know, part of this movement. There's hundreds of us out there, but. I I really feel feel a lot of gratitude that I'm standing in this place right now and being able to teach you know younger people how to protect themselves you know from what's coming because what's coming is is going to be really tough on them. We didn't you know I'm 63 years old. I didn't grow up in that kind of environment and you know the 20 year olds today are <laughs> big trouble compared to where we were. So uh having not had any kids in my life, I I put a lot of my energy towards younger people now and and, and it, it's it, that to me is super rewarding so my journey is really was started learning about uh how soil affects plants and how plants affect people and having uh, spent thousands and thousands of hours over the last 12 years we've gotten pretty good at it so now we're starting to team to teach a really hot rod team of young urban farmers you know all the stuff that i know and that's making me pretty excited because I know that i am giving them tools that they can protect themselves with. So that's kind of the, that's, we're growing like crazy. We just bought a farm up in Montana. Um, We're going to put in the first, what we call regenerative health center up there, which will be a full amazing place that you can come and live and work and uh, see just how we do it. So that's going to be our third major farm. And we're going to have probably adding four or farm number four and five here in the great park as we expand. So. It's all going really good, finally. It's just taken a lot of years to hang in there and make it happen.
0: Yeah, I'm super excited that, um, that your efforts are manifesting in the results that you want, because I know that's um, really satisfying to see. Um, so I was wondering if you could tell us more about potentially like the large impacts of um, large-scale farming and how Alegría promotes more sustainable options.
1: Yeah, well, um, there's nothing wrong with large-scale farming. Farming, unless you're monocropping or if you're tilling, etc. So it's really about soil health. I'll just break it down to that. Um, I don't like the word sustainable either. I use regenerative. And sustainable kind of means if you have a bunch of uh, fertilizer on one side of the farm and you eat it on the other, you're sustainable until you run out of fertilizer on the left side of the farm and you don't have any on the right. So nature doesn't look at stuff that way. Nature is zero waste and always reuses everything. And so you know, I don't want to bash large scale farming because there are, there are some large scale farms out there that do farm with soil as a priority. Um, the farms that are not farming with soil as a priority and using GMOs and toxic pesticides, some herbicides and fungicides, um, are a major problem. And to give you an idea, you know, more than 8,000 chemicals were dumped into our food supply last year that we don't know what they're doing to us at all. And, and the FDA is not keeping up with this stuff. A lot of those chemicals are banned in Europe, and we still keep feeding them to the American population. In fact, Roundup is still legal in this country. And there's a $20 billion judgment against uh, Bayer right now on, you know, they're willing to pay $20 billion to get rid of these lawsuits, but they're still marketing it as safe for us. So it kind of makes you shake your head and say, what's going on? So it's really um, important. That people know how we, you know, know their farmer, first of all, know how the farmer farms, you know, how do they grow their food. And even more important than that is to be able to get a broad diversity of food that you can feed yourself so that you can get, you know, these thousands of chemicals that really well-grown, light-filled food has in it. And that's the messaging that we're really pushing now, how important that is. But like you, like you probably know, it's, there's not a lot of access to this kind of food. So our goal now is to scale up and try to create much more access to it.
0: Yeah, um, I think that's really outstanding on how um, you're trying to kind of go against the grain and do what's right for society. Um, so I want to ask how important is soil during this process and if it has an impact on our climate and like climate change processes in general.
1: So some of you probably remember Al Gore and the movie, The Inconvenient Truth. And a lot of people were saying that uh, he was a big exaggerator and that climate change could not be coming that fast. And it was just such a huge problem, you know, with the numbers and it just wasn't true. Well, Al Gore was talking about CO2 by itself. He wasn't talking about the other huge components of Greenhouse gases that are released called, one's called methane and the other is called nitric oxide. And for example, me- methane is 19 times more powerful than CO2 and nitric oxide is over 300 times more powerful. And we just found out the other day on a report that Siberia is melting and it's releasing, you know, it's got a, a massive legacy load of methane in there. And that's not even going to be, I mean, I mean it's going to be 19 times worse than what we calculated when that movie came out at least. So that's pretty pretty big problem. So how does soil work? Well, soil sequesters carbon, and CO2 is carbon. Plants, through photosynthesis, actually bring carbon down through their leaves, and they um, push it into the soil and feed the microbes. So there's really no other way that you can reduce the amount of carbon, which we call the legacy load of carbon, up in the atmosphere, which is closing in on, I think, over 400 parts per million, which means that we're in many places above the two degree celsius threshold where life starts changing really fast and of course you can see what's happening in california and the western states and you know we get these droughts and then we get big floods and we get fires so as it affects farmers it's really brutal because you can't really depend on you know a steady climate anymore so you have to really modify your techniques so it's harder and harder to grow good food um big governments around the world are not paying much attention. We're still burning fossil fuels, which is pulling pushing so much more carbon into the atmosphere. And the only way we're actually going to do it, you know, is uh, stop cutting down the rainforest, for example, and, and other places where there's trees. Planting trees does help a lot, but we're going to have to plant trillions of trees if we're going to make an effect. So it's, it's a massive problem. And I think, I think it's, I'm not sure we're going to be able to solve it. I really don't know, because I don't think we can get the globe together fast enough
0: yeah so i know al gore is a huge advocate for the environment and that is why he started um, the climate reality project um and it is great to kind of continue his legacy and his mission um through the climate reality project um yeah and it's been a very transformative experience for me as i become more mindful about what i eat and just like the environment around me too um our listeners really want to hear about the microbiome of soil please tell us more
1: Oh, boy, that's a, uh, about a two-hour, minimum two-hour entry fee. But so um let me just tell you, soil, you know, perfect soil is basically 25% water, 25% air, 5% minerals, and probably, probably 45% minerals and 5% organic matter. Organic matter is the living fraction of soil, which basically is where all the fungus, bacteria, nematodes, protozoa, et cetera, hang out. And those are the four big classes of, of, of the microbes in the soil and they're all eating each other they're, you know they're constantly battling eating and when they eat each other they release nutrients and that's what the plants pull up so it's really critical that soil has a very healthy living biome and you know the problem what we've been doing to soil around uh, most most areas is that we're washing out or killing most of the humic or humate substances in the soil, which are found in the living fraction of the, of the uh, organic matter. And so therefore the soil is no longer living. It becomes dirt and dirt doesn't grow anything because plants really rely on microbes to feed them minerals that, and you know make the minerals that are in the soil bioavailable to the plant that has to do with nutrient density. So the more, um, Balanced and and beneficial biology that you have in the soil The better the plant is fed basically And can can take all these bioavailable nutrients and incorporate it into the plant which optimizes the plant's nutrient density So really what we focus on at alegria is feeding soil and we've learned A lot about feeding soil in the last 12 years Um, We probably know more about the moon than actually what's in soil We've only assayed 1% of the microbes in soil to give an idea. So we don't know where, what 99% of the microbes are and what they do. We're slowly trying to, you know, figure out how all these, these connections between all the different microbes in the soil. To give you an idea, if you took a, you know, just a little tiny piece of soil and put it on the tip of your finger, there's over a billion microbes in that little tiny piece of soil. So it's really difficult, I mean, to understand what's going on. Now, what we do know how to do is what to put together in soil to make soil work and to really, you know, increase the beneficial microbes in it. So the microbiome of soil is directly linked to the microbiome in our own gut. I mean, I look at at soil as the earth's gut. I look at our gut as our gut, and our gut is responsible for manufacturing all the compounds That we require for life. Um, and you know, gut health equals heart health equals brain health. So if your gut's out of balance, just like the soil's out of balance on the planet, everything's out of balance. And so that's really the, that's really the, um, the goal is to try to get soil health equals, you know, to understand that soil health equals human health equals environmental health. And that's a, that's a mouthful, of course, but, and there's a lot of connections there. But we are we're, we're, we're very conscious about that those um, those con- those direct connections and how healthy soil you know affects healthy humans. So I'll leave it at that on the microbiome because it's a it's a very big conversation.
0: Could you tell us a little bit more about um, the other documentary you did, um, the Need to Grow, and the release date of the Pharmacy of Light?
1: Yeah, the Need to Grow was. Uh, film that a couple of my my close friends did and they ended up choosing me as one of the actors in it and uh, I was pleasantly surprised at how it came out and it's been re-released it came out four years ago and it's still actually going strong around the world so I looked at that as as a movie that that, you know where I was kind of whining about losing my farm but most people looked at it as a farmer that was fighting to you know to do the right stuff on the farm (laughs) And so it's inspired a lot of people, which makes me very happy. Um, the Pharmacy of Light is a carry-on. Most most people that saw the need to go were asking, they kept saying, Mr. Cutter, what are you doing next? And so I had to come up with uh, an answer to that. And honestly, I almost gave up back in 2018, 19, when I lost my last farm. I just said, you know what? People don't really care. I can't just keep building farms and pouring hundreds of thousands of dollars and thousands of hours and then have to scrape it and then walk away. So one of my close friends, we sat down over a bottle of wine, and he said, get your big boy pants on. What are you talking about? He says, you just have to design a different kind of farm. And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, well, you got to design a farm you can move. You know, it's got to be mobile. And gosh, I woke up the next morning, and I went, jeez, that's a really interesting idea. What if I designed a farm we could roll into parking lots and roll out? And control the soil in it and all of the lights started flashing. So that's exactly what we did. We now build, you know, mobile, scalable, fully, uh, regenerative organic soil based farms that are zero waste and that are technically carbon negative, And we, we actually can roll those into parking lots now and grow some of the finest food in the world. And if a developer comes in and says you have to move your farm because they want the parking lot, well, we just roll the farm out to the next parking lot and so that's given me a lot of charge because that's how you can build farms in the in the densely populated urban environment and you know actually grow food close to where people live and work because if you don't do that then food tra- travels you know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles i mean you probably know that food travels on average over 1500 miles and some food travels 5000 miles so the carbon footprint of that food traveling is not only horrible for the planet But the food's old by the time it gets to you, so it doesn't have its light load in anymore. So the only way to solve this is to actually get right in the middle of all the people and grow some of the best food right in the middle and and provide access. So imagine this. We're going to build farms. We call it a point-and-pick farm where you actually come into one of our socks box farms, and we don't harvest any food until somebody points at it and says, I want that. If you want that beet, well, we'll harvest that beet. And we put it in your, in your you know, bag and uh, we charge you for that. And off you go and you, you'll have a beet that was just out of the ground as if you'd grown it, you know, in your own backyard. So with these socks box farms, it's possible to do that. And that's a real paradigm shift in delivering nutrient dense food to people in cities, which has been almost impossible. So um, we're getting really, really busy on that one. And people are starting to realize what we've created. Um, we're we're going to actually take that exact system and put a big temperature controlled greenhouse around it, which which will allow us then to grow in snow country. And that's what we'll be doing up in Montana in the Kalispell area. We just bought a beautiful facility up there and we'll have the first temperature controlled greenhouse, which is part of our Allegria pharmacy model. That's out, Al, A-L-E-G-R-I-A, pharmacy, F-A-R-M-A-C-Y dot com. So check that website out and you'll see the world's first, uh, no one's denied it yet, the world's first carbon negative, regenerative, organic, zero waste food production system. And, uh, I, and I've lived a long time and I'll tell you, it's hard to be first in a, in your, on your block. It's very difficult to be first in the city, but to be first in the world on something like this is kind of exciting. That's what we're building right now. We're going to build the first one. It should be up and running about the uh, spring of next year. And we'll be inviting people from all over the world to come and see it in action.
0: I will be there. I would love to be there, too. Um, <laughs> well, I hope you will. Could you tell us more about the oh, logistics yeah. of a socks box and how it works um, especially mm-hmm. in such a portable um, like compartment?
1: Yeah. It's uh, basically we we put a polypropylene sock. It's like a pantyhose, and we fill that with soil. It's an eight-inch sock in diameter, and it comes in different sizes. And uh, it allows us to put it in a tray, which actually holds onto the water. So, bottom line is we take advantage of aeroponic, hydroponic, and organic food production systems with this with the system. We didn't design it that way. We just found out after we put these socks in trays and started using them that way that they're above ground so they're three you know 40 inches above ground which is you now you're standing you're not bending over in a field so it keeps it out of the way of the pests etc too you know like rabbits and rats so you get more of your food and the, and the animals get less um but go to socksbox.com it's very well described there it's dot com. so double x double x and it's, there's a whole section on there and and it also discusses uh there's a environmental benefits section there that shows just how much carbon we sequester. For example, one four by eight box pulls down 528 pounds of carbon dioxide every day. So it's a lot. And uh, that that's sequestering carbon that w- over, you know, asphalt that was previously just reflecting heat and not sequestering anything. So there's some big environmental benefits about putting these over parking lots that nobody's using because those parking lots are heating up cities You put a socks box over it, you're starting to cool cities and you're also feeding people out of them. And you're creating jobs. So that's the big one.
0: Yeah, that's utterly fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would like to know if there's a difference between regenerative organic food and regular organic food. Well, by
1: definition, and uh, Rodale Institute 40 years ago came up, they coined the phrase regenerative organic and really, um, there is a little difference. Um, organic is basically, if you can trust it, and, and, and they're, if, if farmers are actually farming organically, they're using little or no toxic pesticides. But there are pesticides that are still very legitimately legal in organic farming, and some of them aren't so good. So, um, or you can hit hit a field with a pesticide or a fungicide and then wait three months and then farm it organically. And that's one of the big problems with strawberries. There's a lot of toxins in strawberries because even organic strawberries are farmed using these techniques. Whereas regenerative organic is basically three. There's three main tenets to regenerative organic. One of them is soil first. You've got to always take care of the soil. The second one is that you take care of farmers. And so there's a real, you know, that's the social justice side of farming. Um, the third part is, is animal welfare and you know there is a book out many many years ago a friend of mine wrote it called cows can save the earth and they damn well can <laughs> it's just how you it's how you move them so uh, most cows are not saving the earth right now because they're sitting in one place and not moving and they're destroying the soil they're living on instead of uh what the buffalo used to do if you imagine remember if you remember anything about the great plains and if you saw the dances with wolves You will remember that the Indians used to follow the buffalo that would rip across these plains and there were some of the most fertile plains in the world. So why wouldn't uh, we bring buffalo back and start grazing them over huge swaths of prairie, bring our prairie grasses back, bring our soil back, et cetera, et cetera. And you can see that's the regenerative organic side. That's the way Mother Nature does things. So really, when you say regen organic, you're saying study Mother Nature and do what she does and stop fighting her you know, join her. Because if we don't, we're going to lose. And we're already losing big. You can see that Mother Nature is not trying to kill us with, you know, climate change or with viruses, but they're out there. And all that's happening is, is we're getting weaker while Mother Nature is doing exactly what she did for millions of years. So we just are not resilient as human beings anymore. And that's getting worse and worse. So regenerative organic really, really is about Nurturing Mother Nature, learning Mother Nature, and, and copying her, you know, biomimicry. And that's really the difference between that and organic.
0: Yeah, it's great that you cleared that up because I know there are a lot of misconceptions around the idea of organic food. And I know um, regenerative organic food might be a term that a lot of our listeners haven't heard of before. Um, so, speaking well, of. You're gonna, yeah, you're going to hear another term called upcycled.
1: Okay. So, upcycled is also a regenerative form of food production. So keep your eyes out for upcycling. It's coming hard. And it's a good, it's a really, it'll be a really good new moniker that people can get behind.
0: Yeah. So speaking of our listeners, I was wondering um, what is something that they can do to change our one world for the better? Because something that we all have in common is our one world.
1: Well, um, best thing you can do is start being conscious of healthy soil and you can start composting i mean uh there's uh, a fantastic amount of evidence that says that people who compost become closer to the soil and you get much more connected to nature uh, because you start realizing that your food waste can grow some of the best food in the world and that's really fun especially if you teach kids that that you know wasted food actually breaks down into, into beautiful soil and then you grow something in it and it's fantastic and tastes better than what you buy in the store. And that's really the first thing that you can really push people into is start, uh, understanding that carbon is carbon and anything that's living is carbon. And we need to have a full circle carbon economy where we've got to stop wasting carbon because carbon is absolutely not our enemy. It's our, it's our best friend. We just abuse carbon to the point where. Most of it's going up in the air, and not not enough of it's going into into the ground. So, you know, managing carbon, which is what composting does much better, keeps a lot of this out of the landfills, keeps your methane production down. It does all these things that, if billions of people started doing it, we could really start turning this carbon, you know, um, sequestration into something serious because that's the only thing that's going to slow down climate change is getting that carbon out of the atmosphere and back down into the soil.
0: Yeah, so as we begin to wrap up a little bit, I think I've learned so much about um, farming and carbon in general, because I feel like when people hear the term, as you said, like they immediately think climate change and CO2 and how it's negative for not only our bodies, but just like our environment in general. Um, So it's really great that you cleared some of that up. Um, So our last question is, um, for the people that are starting to, or uh, like beginner farmers or amateur farmers, uh, so basically our listeners who are trying to grow something in their backyard, do you have any tips and in- tricks for them?
1: Yeah, well, um, most of you have an iPhone or a smartphone, get on Google and start looking at, uh, the biggest tip I can say is, you know, you don't just become a good urban farmer overnight. Um get curious, start, start looking what everybody else does, and then apply that to your particular area. And, you know, everybody's got a different climate and everybody's got different, uh, parameters. So, you know, find out what what people are doing in your area and and start, start watching video after video and you'll get all kinds of ideas on what you want to do, but get curious and get out there and start doing some research. You know, everybody always asks me, can you show me this and you, can you show me that? And I said, of course I can. But then I, I've stopped doing a lot of that because, um, it's not, it's not the, uh, it's not the way I can teach people best. People need to get out and do that research themselves. And it's all available on the internet and, um, they can go copy what we're doing at Allegria Fresh. That's AllegriaFresh.com or our socks box systems. So do the work, get out there. Cause, uh, I don't believe that food is a right. I actually believe it's a privilege. And I work every day, work my ass off to grow the best food in the world, and everybody else thinks that they should just be served that food that a lot of people do at least. And I disagree with that. So I think we all got to get back in there and start contributing because we all really do work for food. and I think we ought to start understanding that it's important to work for food, and the connections and the health and the feeling that we have as humans it really, really amplifies when you get you know around a, a, a farm that's clean and raising great food. so Get out and grow, everybody.
0: Yeah, I think information is so critical, and that's exactly what we're trying to do with this podcast, Um, inform as many people as possible. And I just want to thank you so much today for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to come talk to us today. Um, yeah, do you have any closing comments for us, for our listeners, perhaps?
1: Yeah, um, talk less, do more.
0: I definitely... That
1: would be my big, my <laughs> big closing comment you <laughs>